From the Columbia Studios in Hollywood comes an exciting new film triumph. A companion hit to Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, His Girl Friday. Co-starring a thrilling new pair of screen lovers, Devil May Care, Cary Grant, and ravishing Rosalind Russell. Let's listen in to one of their tender, idyllic love scenes. I am fond of you, you know. And a girl. I often wish you weren't such a stinker. This is the Enthusiasts Guild, a place for conversations about wonderful and interesting things with the people who enjoy them. I'm Fletcher C. Finch. I'm Adam Zaremski. And our guest today is... Rhiannon Browning. Rhiannon, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm a journalism major at Buffalo State. I write for a music reporting website called NYS Music. So far, I'm just an aspiring investigative journalist, just really, you know, (laughs) enjoying watching movies. (laughs) (laughs) When I was thinking of topics... Uh, one of the things that you and I have in common is that we both love old movies. And I had watched His Girl Friday, which is a movie I really enjoy. And I was thinking, oh, I should share this with with Rhee. And then I thought, oh, I'd be really interested what her take is as uh, a woman, as a woman getting into investigative reporting, as somebody who likes crime and, and old movies. And then I thought, well, this doesn't just have to be a conversation. We can we can make it a podcast too. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, guys. I'm excited. A place I wanted to start is why do you like old movies? Ever since I was, I think I had to have been 12 or even before that, my dad had built this like old fashioned French movie theater in our house just from like warehouses getting like a bunch of different like wooden theater chairs and painting on this beautiful screen on the wall with like these velvet curtains that he thrifted. And so we would sit and watch Alfred Hitchcock movies or Orson Welles, you know, just really brought that like nostalgia of just the theater. So I think that's what got me started was definitely that movie theater and and my dad just really being in love with it and, and informing me about the movies instead of just, you know, like, here, watch this movie. Tell me what you think. He was like, oh, well, this part um, actually goes way back and means something really specific. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's really neat when you can have that understanding of what goes into the movies and, and some of the symbolism and, and pieces that are incorporated into them. Absolutely. Adam, how, how do you feel about old movies? I don't know that I watch them a lot. I have nothing against them. Uh, it's fun to go back and kind of see the what they did, how they created it, crafted it. I was I was actually wondering, Re, there was an Alfred Hitchcock movie I'd seen a while ago. I got it from the library, and it was I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. And I saw it, and then it was like a couple years went by, and I'm like, what was that? And it's I'll have I'll have to ask you at the end if you know of it, but it was like two guys. I think there was a whole thing like going through world war two, maybe. And it was kind of a comedy almost. I watched it with my mom and we were both like, wow, this is really good. This is just really entertaining. Uh, well done. I'm going to have to think about that. Uh, Psycho, I think is the other one. Of course. I mean, the main <laughs> one, but like watching that, you hear so much about it. And then seeing someone who's so good, I think as long as the people are good at their craft, Absolutely. at that time, it still holds up. 
Yes, I agree. I agree completely. And it is funny sometimes too, to see the difference in older movies. Sometimes they'll feel very dated and some things will feel very modern, either in the dialogue or the sensibility or or the way it's put together or paced. And that's one of the things that I like about His Girl Friday is even though there are elements of it that are very dated, it's not slow at all. And it's got some edge to it, which is a lot of fun. I came to old movies through my family too. We would often have family movie nights where we'd all sit together and watch an old movie. And one of my favorites was The Thin Man. But I also liked some of the darker, like noir, like The Maltese Falcon. And there's something to be said for growing up with old movies that it allows you access. A hundred percent. I totally agree with you. It's very different when you grow up with it or when you show somebody right now an old movie. It's, it's a very different feel because you feel like you grew up knowing this kind of movie as opposed to somebody who just started watching old movies. And it's kind of like, oh, it's just, this is a different style. I, I know we've talked a little bit about Hitchcock, but are there any other kind of classic Hollywood or older movie makers who you go to or whose work you really appreciate? It's it's funny that you ask that because there's a lot of movies that I liked from back then, like The Maltese Falcon and Laura, which was, that was one of my favorites, but I don't know who directed it, but I just know that I really, really enjoyed the style, the noir. I'm not sure who directed it, but I think for me, it's mostly the, noir aspect um sometimes i like the comedy but i really like that dark like you know because i mean i just love horror everything so <laughs> yeah um otto preminger preminger i'm not sure oh, which, okay um was and he's he's a well-known director although i think that's the only film of his that is one of my personal favorites yeah. and that's dana andrews in laura mm-hmm. is so good i I kind of wanted to be him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) when, when you were saying that it's more about that noir style than a specific director, a lot of the time, I think that's been my approach too. I like a lot of noir films and I like some screwball comedies and I'm more likely to know the, the movie because of the style that it's made in than necessarily who made it. Very true. Very true. (laughs) How did you become interested in journalism? It kind of has a lot to do with what I was talking about with like the movies. It it drove me to like investigating and this is going to sound creepy, but murder. (laughs) (laughs) So I just always loved to solve mysteries. I liked reading Nancy Drew books and ever since I was a little girl, I've always thought of mysteries being my passion, you know, trying to solve something. And my dad used to... both my parents used to make, well, mostly my dad because he was more creative, <laughs> but uh, he used to make this game for us where we would have to solve a murder or a museum robbery or something, and he would put clues throughout the house. That's how I got into the investigative reporting part, and then I didn't realize I was actually a decent writer until I went back to school because I didn't try before. <laughs> so, you know, I got back to school and I started writing, and my professors were like, as always, another great paper. And I'm like, as all, me? Oh, okay. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) The whole process of your father creating these games, like it's almost, you see that in some of these older movies where someone's trying to create the next Nancy Drew or something. That sounds like a lot of fun. 
Oh, it was so much fun. <laughs> and that's, that's all I hope to do with, you know, my life. That's, I mean, just, just tracking something down and, and writing about it, you know. I think you're the only other person I know who shares the experience of having a childhood detective office. Yes. I, <laughs> I, you know, it's so funny that you bring that up. I was just thinking about that the other day because nobody else had that <laughs> that I talked to. <laughs> it's a formative experience. If you have a detective office and you're into mysteries and. Yes. Yeah. I, I had a website. Yeah. yeah. It was obviously before, you know, you could make it on like WordPress or anything like that. One page of, you know, it's my sister and I, we were Mystery Girls Agency, Inc. That's fantastic. <laughs> that was pretty great. That was, <laughs> nothing ever came about it, but it was really cool being like, yeah, I'm eight years old and, um, you know, I, I have this website. and <laughs> <laughs> I love that being a detective is what drew you to journalism and investigative reporting. Mm-hmm. I wish I could say the same thing because... I did always love detective stories and dress up as detective and try and solve little mysteries around the house or whatever. Oh, my grandma lost her purse. Maybe I can retrace her steps and find it. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I think becoming a journalist had more to do with Kermit the Frog reporter on Sesame Street (laughs) for me than any other factor. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. Aw. <laughs> Adam, what got you into reporting? Mine's probably the lamest of all, where um, I, I didn't really have a plan going into school or going into college. And I, I think I kind of looked at English or something. And I remember this one Navy recruiter kept calling me up and asking if I wanted to join the Navy. And I was kind of contemplating military service at one point. And he, he would call back once in a while, and finally he called and said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, English. And he goes, well, are you going to be a teacher? And I said, no. And he goes, well, what the hell are you going to do with the English degree? And I just had nothing else to say. And so I did go to, I actually went to Buff, Buffalo State as well, oh. and I went undecided. And it wasn't until I think an aunt of mine just said, why don't you try journalism? So I, I basically just walked over to the journalism department i think that monday it was within the first semester and i was so nervous like i i uh, i, I want to sign up for journalism <laughs> like, okay <laughs> and that, that was pretty much it and i i can't say that there was like this deep abiding love beforehand but ever since then it's it like fell into place almost i'm not saying i'm great or anything like that it's just the interest, the passion for it i feel like was built up from the process so well and I, i've seen you get caught up in the the thrill of the chase when you're trying to figure out a story or <laughs> decide some facts or, or get that quote from somebody. And I also think it doesn't really matter how you um, end up being passionate at, in journalism, but it just, I think once you do get into like the writing and the tracking down a story, I think that's what really sets us as journalists apart from doing different things because it's just, you get so involved. True. Very true. Well, let's get into the movie. Yeah. What did you guys think? I have so many different things to say <laughs> about it because I watched yeah. it again. I've I watched so many as a you know a young girl, and then watching them again, it's kind of weird. I, I think they did a great job by keeping up to date with gender roles and the fact that she was this ambitious reporter and she loved what she was doing, but she, she said, I just, I want to feel like a woman. To me, that kind of hit me because I'm like, whoa, what are you talking about? I feel more like a woman 
going after a news story than settling down and living out in the country with my husband and, you know, I mean, which is great too, but it just felt a little bit like, what do you mean? (laughs) But yeah, I liked, I I loved her personality and I loved the storyline. I, I honestly, this is the first time I didn't like Cary Grant and something. So (laughs) yeah. If he were not such a suave actor and so charismatic a person, he would be utterly detestable in that role. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> Just the yeah. word, you know, you can't move on. I'm going to steal you away. And then also make you hold your own suitcase, do your own thing, you know, like just <laughs> stuff that I was like, wow. So you went back to the crazy ex, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. Adam, what were your initial thoughts on the movie? I think a lot of the same. Should we uh, recap the movie for people at all? I'll just start with a little bit of background. His Girl Friday, a film from 1940, starring Rosalind Russell and Cary Grant. It's adapted from the front page, which is a play by Ben Hecht and Charles MacArthur. And the play first went on stage in 1928. Hecht and MacArthur were both beat reporters in Chicago, which is where the original play version was set. And so this was kind of a world that they knew. And what's interesting, too, is that in the original stage production and in the first film adaptation, the character of Hildy was also a man. So Hildy was the reporter. Walter was the editor. They just had had a a business business relationship relationship and and an editor-reporter relationship, a friendship, friendship, but they weren't married. And when the director, Howard Hawks, was thinking about making it into adapting the play into a movie for the second time. I think it was his receptionist or his secretary was reading the lines and he thought, I like this better coming from a woman. And so they did a bit, a bit of a rewrite on the script. And it's funny because multiple people actually had a part in rewriting it. It definitely changes the dynamic to have Hildy not only be a female reporter, but have her and Walter be a divorced couple. And I, I think it, it brings a lot of interesting energy to the story, especially for the time frame. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When, when you realize that she's divorced and, and then just sitting in the room with her ex, talking to him, smoking a cigarette with him, I guess maybe there's the untrue notions of what people have portrayed that time frame to be. You know, women are typing at a typewriter, you know, not smoking. It just, and so seeing that, you quickly get a sense with that movie that she is someone comfortable with what she's doing and she loves this work and especially when she first walks into the room and everyone's like oh hildy hildy good to see Mm. you and she's just like oh i got this whatever you know i got this well oh and man does she walk in like a star too yeah hi hildy The movie opens with Hildy coming back to tell her ex-husband, Walter, that she's going to be remarried. She's with her fiancé, who is played by Ralph Bellamy. And while this is all happening, Walter, played by Cary Grant, is trying to talk her into staying at the newspaper. You get the sense that he's still interested. He says something along the lines of, uh, you've you've got the wrong idea. You think that divorce is a thing that lasts forever. (laughs) Just some words that a judge says over you. Uh, which which is a fun reversal of, you know, marriage is a thing that lasts forever. <laughs> and 
the breaking story that Walter tries to get Hildy to cover for him is that they're about to execute this man who has been convicted after having shot a policeman, as as they say, a, a colored policeman is the, the wording that they use. And the mayor wants him to be executed because election day is coming up and he thinks it will help him get more votes. The corrupt sheriff is on the mayor's side. The paper is taking the tact that he's incompetent for reasons of insanity and all sorts of shenanigans ensue. Uh, At one point they end up there hiding the escaped convicted murderer in a rural top desk that belongs to the newspaper and trying to sneak him out of the press room uh, in I think city hall or the near the county jail, whichever it is all sorts of hijinks with Walter trying to set up the fiance so that they can't get out of town, him trying to reel Hildy back into the world of newspaper reporting and Hildy trying to get the scoop on this story. She gets a exclusive interview with the convicted man or the condemned man, I guess I should say. I don't want to give too much away, I guess, but anything you guys want to add about the rundown? You know, it, I, I think that it really depicted the way I was talking about how passionate journalists get, you know, when they're tracking down a story or even just being one, um, seeing other journalists excited makes you excited. Um, if you've ever watched Spotlight or anything that has to do with like hard hitting news, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to do that. Or like, I just, I love this, you know? So it was, I, I think that aspect of it was really cool to see back in 1940. And there's a woman reporter and she's queen of the show at this point, you know, it was a little bit annoying seeing Cary Grant as attractive as he is <laughs> and suave. It just, it brings back that time period as, okay, well, there men did have a certain look at women and their wives. And, you know, it's like, that's his property. She can't go to somebody else. And I need to get her back somehow. And so there were, I have some like ups and downs with that movie. I did really love it though. When I had seen it earlier, I kind of thought, oh, of course, Cary Grant wants to win back his wife. But viewing it now, it seems less like a romantic attraction that he has to her and more about control and pride, Mm -hmm. which, as you say, is is frustrating. Exactly. I mean, I think that wasn't really, I never saw romance between the two of them. You never really look at them and you're like, man, they were in love at some point. (laughs) You look at them and you're like, well, you guys butt heads, which could end up obviously in a marriage, but it seemed like he just was like, well, you you just, you can't have another man. That's just not going to happen. And I don't care how I treat you. I will say that they do the the actors and and the characters do have definite chemistry though they yes they do play off of one another so well and so quickly as a viewer i take them to be equals they they seem like they are well matched towards each other in wit in cunning in their dedication to a scoop adam what, what were your thoughts I, I i totally agree with that part and i'm going to spoil it for yep. anyone who hasn't seen it where at the end, she does go back to him. There's the troubling parts of what you're talking about where it, it felt like it was a control thing for the editor, Cary Grant. And it was, you know, especially what's happened over the last couple of years where these powerful male figures are then, you find out these backstories behind him. You're like, oh, that's just terrible. And you can see that there. 
but again, they, they cast um, Hildy. Uh, I can't think of the actress's name, but she did so well. Uh, Russell and Russell. Yes. Yeah. She was so perfect as an equal, like when her fiance who ends up not being her fiance anymore, you know, she sees him as almost a sucker constantly. Like where, where did he put the money? Like when he's dealing with her ex-husband and he's like, Oh, I got it in my pocket, put it in your hat. Cause she knows her husband or her fiance is going to get the money stolen. When he ends up in jail, the fiance ends up in jail. She knows her ex-husband is the reason behind it. And it's like, okay, I'll be right there and I'll take care of this. And it was so good. But then at the ending, when she basically is just like, I wanted to go back to you. And then she's carrying his suitcase and walking behind him and everything. And I saw something on Wikipedia where they had to change the ending because another movie supposedly had something similar. So I think they went this way. But it was a little bit of a letdown in that regard because everything else was really good where she is in command. She walks into that courtroom and all the other reporters there are like, Oh, Hildy, welcome back. And, and they even read her copy when she's not there. Like she had started writing an article and they're like, wow, you know, everyone's just silent. Like she's great at this. And at the end to just have her kind of be like the subservient to Walter again, I was like, ah, but overall, like, yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch it and to see the, how she did become more interested. Like she wanted to get back into the journalism field. She starts, Oh, isn't that a fire? Where's that from? Like hearing the sirens go off and um, <laughs> just totally getting off. I, I think Adam back. and I have both had that experience where sirens go off and you instinctively are like, where's, where's my camera? Where's my notepad? <laughs> I even do that too. And I'm not even, a, <laughs> I'm like, what are they, what's happening? I want to know. <laughs> you mentioned everyone is in awe of Hildy's skill as a writer she comes off as the most likable and and best character in the movie because she is a talented writer and everyone in this movie is either legally corrupt or emotionally corrupt or emotionally bankrupt nobody comes out well in this movie so bad you know the <laughs> the reporters are all scheming and backstabby and ridiculous the politicians are all just out for votes the murderer is for one thing he's a convicted murderer but for other the other thing he's just such a sad sack throughout the whole thing he just will yeah. do whatever anybody tells him to agreed yeah. <laughs> the the police come off as incompetent it's it's interesting to see a comedy where they're skewering everyone i think that's why that that's why i liked it so much like adam said it wasn't until the ending that i felt the control over hildy because i think she did a great job with just like commanding the whole movie. You look at everybody else like you were talking about and it's like everybody's corrupt and everybody's, they look like babbling buffoons <laughs> in a way. And so you see her and she's like, I know what this is. I'm a great writer. And they read her paper and the, you know, they're like, wow, I can't believe she wrote that. And it's like, well, shouldn't you be writing sh stuff like that? Because you're also, <laughs> you know, reporting. Mm -hmm. But I think that was, that was like the really redeeming quality was just like her in general, just like being so equal to these or above these people, I should say. Right. What did you guys think as reporters, journalists seeing where, I mean, the reporters are talking to the, the sheriff asking him to move up the hanging so that they can get it into the city edition. Hey, why can't you hang this guy at five o'clock instead of seven? Sure, it won't hurt you, and we can make the city edition. Oh, no, that's that's kind of raw, Roy. After all, I can't hang a man in his sleep just to please the newspaper. No, but you can reprieve him twice, so the hang is three days before election, can't you? You can run on a law and order. 
or they're the one guy's reporting. He's making a telephone call. The other one picks up his phone to call his desk and he listens and then he kind of takes some of the information, but then adds some fluff to it. Like just, I'm just curious what you guys thought about that. It's so funny. Cause I was like, I actually rewound that part because I wasn't paying attention for a second. And <laughs> I rewound the part where they said to like move up the, the execution. And I'm like, Every journalist that I've ever met or spoke with about journalism, that was never the take I got on it. That's why I got into journalism was to out these people that do that, that are corrupt. So it was kind of interesting that like, they were like, well, let's just move up the execution so we could get it in our story. And it was just like delve into morals of journalists. And it was quite interesting to watch that part. I thought it was really interesting how the film starts off with that title card, which is almost a disclaimer. It all happened in the dark ages of the newspaper game, when to a reporter getting that story justified anything short of murder. Incidentally, you will see in this picture no resemblance to the men and women of the press today. Ready? Well, once upon a time. (laughs) That's just on its own such an interesting way to start a movie. Like, oh, okay, this isn't what journalists are really like. But also you get the sense that they're like, this is what some journalists are really like. (laughs) Do you guys think that um, they kind of put that in there to make the other journalists sound, like you say, corrupt and and just not as good as Hildy just because that was who the story was about? Hmm. Why do you think that was put in there? That's a good point. I think that the screenwriters and and probably the original playwrights, their way of looking at this world is that everybody's working an angle all the time. Somebody's got an angle and they're working it. And that, that moment that Adam had mentioned with the two reporters where they're reporting on the same facts, you know, they're calling back their, their news desks and sharing, but they have very different takes. A double guard is being thrown around the jail, municipal buildings, railroad terminals, and elevated stations to prepare for the expected general uprising of radicals at the hour of execution. Uh, The sheriff has just put 200 more relatives on the payroll to protect the city from the Red Army, which is leaving Moscow in a couple of minutes. (laughs) I love that they've got such different takes on the one. They did a great job with the dialogue in that. I was flabbergasted at times seeing one camera shot and you have like three or four different people all talking at blazing speeds, carrying on a conversation. Maybe they're on the telephone pretending to talk to someone but it reminded me of you know high school days or whatever in chorus where you're you'd have someone singing one part and someone over there and you're just trying to keep your focus and it's like wow that's really impressive just as a technical aspect how well they the actors did with that no no here's a little feature though there's been an accident about a tear bomb yeah tear bomb tear bomb criminals cry for it i don't know this tear bomb went off unexpectedly in the hands of sheriff hartwell's bombing squad what went off the following deputies were rushed to the hospital fine framed you their names are mervyn d wilkerson the mayor's brother-in-law after all i've done for you howard schuster the sheriff's uncle on his mother's side oh jim sidelights from sheriff hartwell's manhunt william mansfield the sheriff's landlord and lester winthrop who married the sheriff's niece you remember the very homely day this is William Ice, age 55, scrub lady, while scrubbing the eighth floor of the Commerce Building, was shot in the left leg by one of Sheriff Hartwell's deputies. Look, I'm not... There goes another scrub lady. Ah, it was only a flesh wound. They took her to the hospital. Call you back. Accused speaking. Give me the desk. Hey, Mac, any dope on how he escaped? Maybe the sheriff let him out so Williams could vote for him. Oh, a man answering description. The writing, too. All of those side conversations and those little things this is a movie that bears rewatching because there's content to all of that. There's either a joke or they're setting something up or they're paying something off in all these little background or side conversations. 
or just little one-offs uh they're one of the first things Hildy says is she's walking through the newsroom and it's just this this great shot where the camera's kind of tracking with her as she works her way through the newsroom and everybody's saying like, hey, Hildy, and she's giving them greetings, but kind of barreling through. And the the one um, woman is like, oh, my cat had kittens. And Hildy just goes, it's her own fault. <laughs> <laughs> like, what does that even mean? <laughs> I didn't even catch that. That's so funny. Wow. I think, you know, it's like those kind of um, conversations in in movies. It's like that was one of the foundations of comedy. You know, you're going back and forth, but just that witty, like quick. And then the audience has to think about it for a second and then they laugh and (laughs) just like defines, especially, you know, older comedies like like even the Thin Man did that a lot. Oh, yeah. I was talking about the introduction of Hildy, the introduction of Walter, where they chat for a while uh, but when he's going out to meet the fiance, there are all these little bits of physical comedy that Cary Grant just performs brilliantly too. where Hildy says something about he's a gentleman and he'll hold the door open for you. And Cary Grant lets the like goes to let her. I, I think he holds it first and then he's like basically looking her up and down from behind and she's like oh no no you're gonna go on and then he doesn't open the gate in time for her or something and then he walks up to the old man and pretends that he thinks that that's her fiance and then when he is redirected to the real fiance he shakes his umbrella instead of shaking his hand (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was a good way of just showing that carrie grant character just being dismissive and like you know whatever i'm you know just to put hildy down almost and and uh, then the fiance and, and it's funny how the fiance is like, oh, he's a great guy. <laughs> you can really trust him. <laughs> that, that shows how uh, how what what was the word you used before for the fiance? Um, just not all there. I guess. Oh, he's a sucker. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's a sucker. <laughs> That's like a perfect word for that. <laughs> They even get in a couple jibes on Albany there. Oh, Albany, they have the state capital there. And then <laughs> Albany's a great town for life insurance. They, they all buy it there. And Cary Grant's like, oh, well, why wouldn't they? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> there's nothing better to do in Albany than die. <laughs> Any uh, quotes that stuck out to either of you? It's hard. There's, there's so many. many. <laughs> I know. There were a lot. I'm trying to think. I liked... Um, one that stuck out it, it was near the end and Walter's trying to he's calling back to the desk and saying how he wants the front page or the paper redesigned and I think at one point he says something about take the Hitler story out you know don't worry about it and then you hear him and again there's like three conversations going and at some point Walter goes no 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 leave the rooster story alone that's human interest <laughs> and, and <laughs> like, that's really good they don't take the Hitler story out he says put Hitler on the funny pages <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay I didn't catch that. That's funny. <laughs> oh, man. And this is 1940. So this is like right. the height of. <laughs> oh, wow. They had another one. The reporters, I know at one point they were. Um, the one woman came in who was uh, knew the person who was going to be executed and they're making fun of her. And, you know, they must they wrote a terrible story, she said, about her and um, making up lies and. You know, this the the person they're all waiting for to be executed is going to be hung, and right outside the window, they're actually preparing for it. And at some point, um, the reporters are just like, you know, you're, he's going to be a real pain in the neck boyfriend you got there. And it's like, oh wow. And I think at some point they said, 
she said something the woman said to them like you wouldn't know what it's like to be respectful and hildy's like you know of course not they're they're newspaper men they're they're not human uh and then you see how they treat hildy which is like a totally different you know yeah they're newspaper men but they respect her so much and then even when they were reading her story and they were saying and or not even just about that but also when they're talking about the guy she's marrying you know they're like ah that marriage is gonna last six months you know because i think they knew she this is like what she's made for not to become a wife and you know settle down but to be this crazy good reporter you know oh yeah yeah she's it's the one thing that the movie just always has respect for and the other characters have respect for is hildy is a reporter (laughs) speaking of which i i love when uh Walter calls Hildy a traitor and she goes, a traitor, a traitor to what? And he goes, a traitor to journalism. You're a journalist, Hildy. A journalist? Now what does that mean? Peeking through keyholes, chasing after fire engines, waking people up in the middle of the night to ask them if Hitler's going to start another war, stealing pictures off old ladies? I know all about reporters, Walter. A lot of dainty Plodinskis running around without a nickel in their pockets and for what? So a million hired girls, Motorman's wives will know what's going on? Like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> she's yes, the best in the field, field and, and, and this is her view on reporting. This, and then he talks about it being a career, and then she's like, oh, well, I guess you never looked at it that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Bringing her back in. Adam, you had mentioned Molly. I, I think that's one of the surprising from a modern viewer points is the Molly who they say is the, the girlfriend of the condemned man she brings a lot of pathos to that role and she's just been buffeted around by these slanderous reports really and then she ends up jumping out of the window to distract them so that the the man can can escape which is kind of a it's a very dark moment and then they're like oh no she's dead and then they're like oh no she's moving and then you never go back to her at all that's it for that character because to them she's She's not a story anymore. She's not what they're all chasing at the moment. And it's like, yeah, okay, we'll we'll deal with that later. And yeah, never again. Yeah, I kind of wondered about that after. I'm like, what did happen to her? Is she okay? (laughs) (laughs) She was moving, I guess. (laughs) I'm I'm very curious now to either see the original adaptation of the of the play or or see if I can read the play someplace. Because I want to know how this is all played in the original story. That's very true. There were a lot, there was a lot of like, you know, with Hildy and the Molly, there was a lot of empathy between the two. So um, with a man being Hildy, it might come off very differently. You know, you don't know. It's, it, it would be interesting to see the way that a man fulfilled that role, especially back then. Marie, you you had some interesting facts about Rosalind Russell and what she brought to the character in a couple of ways. Yeah, she hired. Well, so she felt that um, Cary Grant had all the good lines. You know, he was the one that was funny. He was going to steal the show. Um, And then she hired, I believe, somebody in an advertisement to um, give, you know, give her some more lines, help her help her out with some, you know, funny material and that's why a lot of the time you hear her um, come back with all this wit. Actually, Cary Grant didn't even know about it. So he would just be like, you know, I guess he said something. Uh, he would always say something like, um, so what do you got today? What's going on today? <laughs> you know, 
because he was just so surprised every single time. Like this, she's funny. <laughs> well, and it, it's neat because there are elements of ad libbing in the the movie too, and sometimes to very funny effect. Like at one point, they refer to the the actor or the the fiance is is waiting downstairs and Walter on the phone describes him as, Oh, he, he looks like that actor. What's his name? Ralph Bellamy. And Ralph Bellamy is the actor playing that character. <laughs> I saw that. That was funny. <laughs> I was like, Oh, <laughs> what did you think of the costumes? When, when I watched these movies as a young girl, I would watch them and say like, want to like wear what they were wearing. For me, it was, it was very straightforward. The men wore like a very specific suit and tie, but almost like rugged. If you guys noticed that it just seemed like all of like the male reporters were, you know, but then Cary Grant had this like flower on his coat, which I noticed right away because everybody else kind of like, it was just normal. Uh, Well, and his friend who was the one doing the uh, counterfeit money. (laughs) He also had a flower on his coat and I didn't, I, I wanted to know from, you actually, if it, it meant something, if there was like a sim, you know, a symbol from that. I think for Walter, it's just to show that he is important and he puts attention into his personal appearance, even though he's in this journalism world where everybody else is kind of grubbing along. He kind of stands out. And even when he's in with the other reporters, he holds his own against the mayor and the and the sheriff and all the other reporters are looking up to him because he's this editor and publisher and he's like ooh this is the big guy <laughs> and yeah i think in certain ways it just sets him apart and those double-breasted suits that he wears certainly a dated look like you wouldn't see somebody on the street with that now but they are tailored for him he he looks sharp in this movie he did look really sharp i do have to say he looked very handsome <laughs> Hildy in that first scene she's got those bold stripes on her dress like you can't not see her when she walks into a room and her hat beautiful oh that hat. <laughs> <laughs> I used to own these old magazine ads for clothes and my you know my parents would buy me these books for Christmas and it was from like 1939 to 1949 because oh, I wow. wanted to be them so bad I just wanted to wear their clothes and so like seeing that kind of brought back a lot of nostalgia because I, I remember my first vintage 1940s dress and it looked it 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 looked compared to that was just not you know it was it was like ripped and you think about how much things age in 80, you know 80 years it's like it's a lot <laughs> with the rose I think he put that on when they're about to go meet her fiance there's a scene if it's like he's getting ready and I think he's kind of like standing around and he's got his back to her and then he goes and he puts it in there. Oh, and then that's when like, that's when it's like, let's go out and meet this guy. So, so, so he's kind of peacocking there too. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I didn't even see that. That's funny. I did love the other character that was with him with the counterfeit money who abducts the mother. Yeah. Just that this newspaper editor publisher guy is, has someone on the payroll basically he calls his friend probably, probably doesn't <laughs> mean it, but he's like, yeah, uh, go take care of this. Go do this. You know, give, I need four fifties. Like I don't have that money. No counterfeit. Oh yeah. I got that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I've got that on me. <laughs> right. that was, I, I loved that part because I'm like, wow, this guy's like a mob boss. He's not even like a reporter at this point. He's just like, well, I got my guy who does <laughs> really illegal things for me. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
there's the one point when Walter is trying to decide how to delay Hildy. He asks how they can delay the trade, and they're like, well, we could dynamite it. Could we? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) There he goes again. (laughs) I think the trailer described Cary Grant as this devil-may-care attitude, and Hildy's character, they're like the sensual or sensational or something like that, and it it was kind of like, oh, (laughs) but... (laughs) Yeah. Like she's so much more than that. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but they had to advertise that back in 1940. That's just what it was. Like women, everybody had like the big, beautiful curls. And I feel like there was just this expectation in movies. They had to look and be a certain way. But she broke down those barriers. I think that they created a really good way of presenting this reporter as an equal, except for the end. But, <laughs> you know. It was, I just, I think that was a really cool thing that they did. Re, how can our listeners find you? I post some blog posts here and there on my Instagram page. You could just look up <laughs> Rhiannon Browning on Instagram and I'm sure that you'll find me. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I'm really happy we got to talk about this together. Me too. And I, I can't wait to talk about more old movies in the future. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Enthusiast's Guild. If you enjoy our show, please share it with a friend. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Enthusiasts Guild, on Twitter at Enthusiast Guild, or send us a message at TheEnthusiastsGuild at gmail.com. We're also now on TikTok at The Enthusiasts Guild.